0: Good morning, church family. Are you ready to be encouraged in Christ this morning? Yes. Amen. Our subject this morning is the exceeding worth of a believer's new birth certificate. We'll be looking at 1 Peter 1 and about a quarter of verse 2, maybe a fifth. But really, we'll be digging around the first five verses of 1 Peter, and you will need your Bible I made slides, but I continue to mess up on the technical side, so they may not all be right. So, have your Bible in hand. You will need it. Staggering biblical realities here. Enormous topics. And if you're familiar with the Bible, you'll know that God's people have been through a lot over the centuries. As early as 36 AD, followers of Jesus were chased from their homes, preferring gospel over worldly comfort. Stephen was stoned to death one day that year for telling the gospel truth about Jesus. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Acts 7 59 and 60. Stephen held fast in the pattern of Christ with absolute confidence in his identity in Christ, unto the very end. Peter was among the chosen twelve who chose Stephen to serve the church and was likely in Jerusalem that day. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles, Acts 8.1. Now, some years after Stephen's murder, the emperor Claudius drove many, many more Jews who believed in Jesus out of Jerusalem, and many of them settled in Asia Minor. That's the countries we'll see in 1 Peter 1. That's modern Turkey, and they took the gospel with them. Knowing this helps us understand the atmosphere of the hour as Peter writes his first circular letter to the churches in this area in AD 63. Now, at this time, the infamous... Emperor Nero is in power, though Rome hasn't yet burned, but rejected by unbelieving Jews and pagans alike, <clears throat> pardon me, times are already hard for Christians, even as the gospel brings more and more people to faith throughout the world. Persecution is relatively mild in Asia Minor at this point, but it's getting harder, harder to practice your faith and make a living and deal with estranged family. And hostile neighbors, and government persecution. There are dark clouds on the horizon for God's people, and they're scared, they're fearful. Does that sound familiar? The guns of the wider culture are aimed upon our practice of faith in Jesus, right now, right here, and more so across the world. So, do you find yourself rattled with escalating fear after watching the news? becoming more hesitant to talk about Jesus in public or share the gospel with a neighbor, thinking there's no way I could ever hold fast like Stephen did. Does all this make you prone to spiritual amnesia under fire? Peter knew something about that. You may remember from Luke 22, picking up about verse 54, Peter was sitting outside near a bonfire in the courtyard of the high priest when Jesus was being questioned, when a servant girl... Seeing Peter, as he sat in the light, looking closely at him, said, This man was also with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, You are also one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. After an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, Certainly this man was also with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked to Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. I don't know him. I'm not one of them. And I don't know what you're talking about. Spiritual amnesia under fire, leading to defeat and despair. Fear of torture and death will do that to any man or woman. But if you line up these fearful courtyard moments with our passage this morning, you'll see that Peter grew up to be much more courageous in Christ by AD 63. Not much more than a year after writing First Peter... He gave his life upon a cross, upside down at his own request, so as not to dishonor our Lord. Only a man who knows exactly who he is in Christ holds fast under fire like Peter did. Which brings us to the aim of our talk this morning, to grow up into our own unwavering identity in Christ, purpose built to hold fast through persecution and death and far beyond. Because without a consistent self-image that isn't about self at all, but instead drawn along the plumb line of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we'll crumble under very little pressure. To overcome spiritual amnesia under fire, you must know who you are in Christ in glorious gospel detail. Pastor Peter knew a lot about that too. Please turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. You'll find it on page <clears throat> 1014 of your Pew Bible. And I always pick them where there's no page number. So look at 1015, and it's the page you're facing it. <clears throat> Peter shows us here the exceeding worth of a believer's new birth certificate. And before we push off into these great truths about Christ in us, let's pray. Father, we thank you. That according to your great mercy, you have caused us to be born again to a living hope. We ask that you, O Holy Spirit, work within our hearts right now to open up our very lives so that these words of Christ might dwell within us richly and bear increasingly more good fruit for the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. So I hope you found your place. 1 Peter 1, beginning at verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now, this is more than a simple greeting. And a believer's new birth certificate covers a lot more than the one they keep down at the courthouse. It tells us who we are, Where we are and why, where and with whom we truly belong. Supernatural rebirth in Christ for every believer means at least three things we are elect, we are exiles of the dispersion, and all this is true of us according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. And there is great encouragement here for all who believe if we will only gladly embrace, first of all, the assurance of our election. The Greek word here is eklektos. And it's the same word Jesus uses in Matthew 24 when he promises us that the Son of Man will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Eklektos means chosen out selected, or chosen out by God for the rendering of a special service to him. And it's helpful here to note that the same root is used in Acts 9, 15, and 16, Luke's account of Paul's conversion, when he writes, "'The Lord said to Ananias, "'Go, for Paul is a chosen instrument of mine, "'eklogis skeuos, to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel.'" for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Make no mistake. Eklektos and eklogis refer to divine selection. Now, early in my walk with Jesus, I really struggled with that idea. And I found that our struggles to reconcile the plain meaning of Scripture regarding the precious doctrine of election evaporate. If we understand that we are eclectos, elect for salvation, and that we are eklogis, elect for service, for salvation by God, for service to God. We are God's chosen people, saved by his grace alone to walk and work by faith in Christ as God's chosen instruments. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Chosen instruments are made for holy lives of selfless service, proclaiming the gospel, as Joss prayed, and for suffering in the likeness of Jesus for the sake of Jesus' name. And if we neglect the truth, next slide, that God chooses out or selects His people into salvation, we miss the powerful encouragement Peter extends to the chosen members of God's family in the churches of Asia Minor. And we reject the sweet assurance of election that God means for us to enjoy as his reborn children. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be, holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. Ephesians 1, 3-6. These are glorious words of God's sovereign, gracious, eternal love, and new forever family life in Christ that banish spiritual amnesia under fire. So, when anxiety strikes, and it does, and I begin to forget who I am in Christ, I check my new birth certificate here in 1 Peter. Because I know that before I was born again to a living hope, I was spiritually incapable of choosing the things of God. One dark month, the Lord broke me through the word of Christ, limb by limb, of my love of the life of sin that I had made, and the spirit simply invaded. And I crawled up off the floor exhausted in the light of a new day with a bewildering new desire for the love of a God about whom I knew almost nothing at the time. And I rose up off the floor with a new birth certificate in Christ, according to the gospel. And I'm so grateful to be reborn. A beloved son to God, the Father in Christ, granted repentance. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. I could never purge myself. Never clean myself, never wash myself, nor make myself whiter than snow. So foul was my sin, believe me. But it was Jesus who broke me and baptized me with the Holy Spirit, as according to Mark 1.8. And that humbles me and helps kill spiritual pride, because nothing good or wise about me had anything to do with God's will and saving this poor sinner. And the truth of election keeps God very large in my life. And it keeps me very small, but beloved of the Lord, which is all I need and way, way, way more than I deserve. And it keeps all glory flowing to Him. All glory to Him. And I'm secure in Christ only because God in His grace doesn't ever change His mind about the elect, Ever. Because my changeable, wobbly mind can never reverse God's unchangeable choosing of his children. So this is ground zero of my assurance and the beachhead of my thanksgiving. For Peter, too. He was there in the upper room when Jesus said these words. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you, John 15, 16. And he was there in Capernaum when the master said, all that the Father gives me will come to me. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day, John 6, 37 through 39. Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. So if you've come to Jesus on his terms, by the grace of Almighty God, by faith in Christ alone, and not demanding that he accept you because of your own efforts, then rest assured in your election. And if you have truly received Jesus as your only Savior and Lord, and not to make a name for yourself or just to fit in with the crowd, but to deny yourself and to pick up your own cross and follow Jesus, then know yourself as chosen of God and rejoice. Jesus says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest an open invitation to anyone, anywhere, all the time, until Jesus returns to gather his elect from the four winds. And if you don't believe that, and if you don't know Jesus as your Savior and lovingly submit to him as Lord of all, then I pray your free will might be set free through the power of God to be free in the Holy Spirit and come to Jesus today. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Hear the command of Christ now. Repent and believe the gospel. Those who refuse are justly accountable to God's righteous judgment. Did you hear me? And we're confident in our witness to Christ not despite the doctrine of election, but because of the doctrine of election. It's jet fuel for evangelism because Jesus assures us many will come if only we call out with the truth of Jesus. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one We'll snatch them out of my hand. John 10, 27, 28. Memorize that one. And so we keep calling out with passion, with patience, persistence, and every wise form of persuasion and warning. Sheep are stubborn, you know. Hear Jesus. Freely come to Jesus and follow Jesus and you'll have a new birth certificate. Come with a broken spirit and a contrite heart, and he'll never cast you out, whoever you are. And once you've come, remind yourself daily that you are chosen by God, and he will never let you perish forever. You must hold fast to the concrete biblical reality of your irreversible election. If you are to carry with you a durable identity in Christ, purpose built for the rendering of special gospel service to God. Which brings us to the second encouragement Peter wants us to find within our new birth certificate, the anchor of our exile in the dispersion. Remember that Peter was standing there when Jesus said, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. That's what's happening in Asia Minor around 63 AD as pagan peoples are coming to know Jesus, whether it's through the hearing of the gospel from Christian Jews expelled out of Jerusalem who settled there, or through the Apostle Paul's ministry. And that's what happens wherever people come to Jesus. A person's enemies will be those of his own household. I experienced that. Many of you have. So the five nations listed in verse 1 of 1 Peter 1, 1 and 2 are really fill in the blank wherever you live for every Christian. So when you come to Jesus, don't be surprised at your instant exile from family or friends and the culture around you when you come. Look again at our passage and follow ahead to verse 5. The moment you truly come to Jesus, you're already God's newborn child, wherever you are, no matter where you grew up, or whatever human family raised you. And you're immediately part of the family of God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, verse 3 to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, verse 4. Notice the language of inheritance here and realize what it meant to Peter's audience at the time. Quoting Baker's dictionary, Jewish inheritance customs were linked to family blood ties, family blood lines. God's family through Jesus' blood. And since we are born-again sons and daughters of God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and our imperishable inheritance is kept in heaven for us, then our permanent citizenship is where? In heaven, as Paul writes in Philippians 3.20. So we, the born-again children of God and the family bloodline of Jesus Christ, are, for now... Exiles of the blessed dispersion until Christ returns or takes us home. So imagine, if you will, a dark globe with clusters of tiny lights representing God's reborn children scattered in clusters all over the planet with new little lights appearing as men and women are born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Sometimes in the darkest of places. And little lights that flicker and disappear as sons and daughters of God in Christ go home to be with the Lord or suffer torture and death for his name. All this is happening right now all over the world. Jesus says, you will be hated, for my, you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Mark 13 13. Resident aliens, unwelcome in many places here on earth, even here, because our permanent home is with Jesus. And we grow in gospel integrity as we acknowledge that we are strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them, for us, a city. Hebrews eleven fourteen 14, and 16. So, we need never, never, ever despair because we are born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you all who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse 5. Friends, that's a God-guaranteed inheritance worth way more than any combination of ephemeral anythings the world can offer. So young people leaving for college or for work Learn quickly to travel light in this world. Laying aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Running with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus. Because our life in Christ is not a quest for stuff accumulation. There's no lasting joy there. And Jesus is so much better. Realize right now that our exile is a gift from God so we don't get too comfortable here and now. And if you struggle with nostalgia for times now past or passing, then (laughs) learn to be more nostalgic for God's time yet to come. For true joy is found in our living hope as new men and women born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Rob sent me a text of a cool quote earlier this week. From Thomas Watson, he was a Puritan preacher in the 1600s. That'll teach him. I'm going to swipe it. (laughs) Watson wrote, we are more sure to arise out of our graves than out of our beds. Make the glorious truth of Jesus' bodily resurrection and ours with him indispensable to your gospel witness, to yourself and to others. For the light of glory that awaits us overwhelms this present darkness and having too much nice stuff won't take the edge off. So look forward with joy and great anticipation to the appearance of Christ, our treasure, and our true inheritance. For as the writer of Hebrews tells us, the sure and steadfast anchor of the soul is a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain at the heavenly throne room of God where Jesus is. The anchor of our exile in the the dispersion doesn't lie in loose sand at the bottom of the sea, but stays immovably embedded in the everlasting rock in the heavens. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Hebrews 13, 14. So hold fast to the firm and secure anchor of the soul, through all our troubles as scattered strangers in the world, traveling joyfully light, and looking forward to our imperishable inheritance with Jesus and all that is His, so that you might grow up into your own indestructible identity in Christ, purpose-built to persevere through trials. Which brings us to the third great encouragement we can draw from the believer's new birth certificate in the first phrase of 1 Peter 1, verse 2. And here we find the affectionate authority of the foreknowledge of God the Father. On every birth certificate, there's a place for the signature of the hospital administrator. The signature of God underwrites our entire experience of rebirth, exile, and dispersion to all points on the globe. Even should we suffer unto painful death for the name of Jesus in a far-off place of darkness, all this comes to pass according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. And if you scan down the page in your Bible to 1 Peter 20 and 21, you'll see that Jesus too, the beloved Son to the Father, was himself foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. No longer is our hope in this world as before our new birth, but in God to whom we are reborn to love and to be loved by him. And in the King James, the wording here is that Christ verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world. So nothing is left to chance in the mighty good works of our all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-wise, eternal God. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish my purpose. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country. Oh, I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purpose, and I will do it, Isaiah 46, 8 through 11. It's beautiful. It's no accident that we are God's chosen chosen family living as foreigners in our own land scattered across the world. Just as the cross of Jesus Christ was no surprise to God, as Peter preached at Pentecost, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it, Acts two twenty two through 24. So it should never trouble us to embrace the foreknowledge of God the Father in everything, That comes to pass. This great truth is always meant to encourage us in Scripture. For Peter and for Paul. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. In the mighty hands of God, all this is as good as done. For all who respond to the call of Jesus, for the glory of his name. Fred Zaspel is a frequent writer to Gospel Coalition, and he writes... The assurance Paul offers in, eight, in Romans 8:28 through 30 stems from nothing about us but from God's side entirely, his own choice and purpose. From eternity past, God has initiated a saving work for us that he will infallibly carry out to our final glorification. Here, Paul says, is solid ground for assurance. Not that God saw something in us and responded accordingly, but that in grace he set his love on us and determined to make us his forever. We should also note that the object of God's foreknowledge here is his people themselves, us. Not their behavior or actions, whom, not what, he foreknew, he predestined. The notions of divine favor and initiative, electing love, remain evident. The eternal electing love of God we see most clearly and vividly expressed at the bloody cross of the risen one. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8. And as we fully comprehend such love as this, we can't wait to go to work as we await a new heavens and new earth where righteousness dwells. Remember the church of Jerusalem scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria after Stephen went home to be with Jesus. Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. So we learn in Acts 4. And in Acts 11, Dr. Luke tells us, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them Men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. And as we walk in the footsteps of those men of old from Cyprus and Cyrene, we fulfill the Lord's will. Just as he revealed his good purposes for the exile and dispersion of a chastened Israel. 600 years before Christ arose. Jeremiah 29, 7. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. The Lord of hosts scatters his people, his elect exiles, to the four winds for the gospel welfare of the city wherever we're sent. That's here for Lincolnites. Think of it as God's great war map. We serve in the resistance behind enemy lines, blowing up Satan's lies with the truth of the gospel to set God's children free. C.S. Lewis wrote in Mere Christianity, enemy-occupied territory, that's what this world is. Christianity is a story of how the rightful king has landed, you might say, landed in disguise and is calling us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. And as we seek the gospel welfare of the lost, who may well hate us and may hurt us, for Jesus' name's sake, we find our own welfare. Rejoice and be glad, says Jesus, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Matthew five twelve. You see, Everyone born of God is foreknown by him, which is to say that everyone who hears his call of grace grace, and responds in faith to the preaching of the gospel has been foreloved from the foundation of the world more earnestly, more deeply, more sweetly than we can imagine before all time, which makes it our joy and gladness to preach the Lord Jesus just as the persecuted prophets who await us in glory. Just look to the cross and you'll see the abiding, all-sacrificing, eternal love of Jesus. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died on that cross for all and that he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves but for him who died for us and rose again on our behalf. If the love of Christ really controls you, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations wherever you find yourself in the grand dispersion plan of God, according to His foreknowledge and forelove. And hold fast to the reality that no matter your whereabouts or circumstances or wherever you choose to carry the fight, you are lovingly stationed in a place of strategic value to the Lord. As you serve in exile according to the great eternal foreknowledge and forelove of God the Father, so that you might carry with you an unwaveringly loving identity in Christ, purpose built to evangelize the world around you. Moving quickly now, we're through. The next three phrases of verse 2 comprise at least another sermon unto themselves. So we're not doing that today. Because Peter shows us who brought us and who bought us our new birth certificates. Each person of the triune Godhead plays an intimate role in the delivery of every reborn child of God we are elect exiles of the dispersion according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood. Here we see, where we get to the slides are messed up, activity, the activity in the sanctification of the Spirit as the agent of the deep heart work of our supernatural rebirth as children in Christ learning to love. So every new believer's new birth certificate carries the eternal seal of God the Holy Spirit. And we also see our assignment for obedience to Christ. And when we understand our spirit-fueled responses of repentance and faith as obedience to Christ's command to repent and believe the gospel, we see more clearly the great grace and power and love of God at work within every act we freely undertake as His eternally beloved, obedient children. If you're in your Bible, scan down the page to 1 Peter 1, 22 and 23. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Friends, you must sign over all trust to Jesus to save you and rule over you and respond with love and kind. Every believer's new birth certificate requires our initials for obedience of faith. And lastly, we see the atonement, or better, better said, the at one of sprinkling with his blood. 1 Peter 1, 17 and 19, if you go up the page just a second from where you just were. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. We need that blood. Written in his own blood on every believer's new birth certificate, we find the priceless name of Jesus Christ. The chosen one of God, foreknown by God the Father before the foundation of the world, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born to Mary, the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Matthew 4.23. He was seeking the welfare of the city where the Father had sent him into exile from glory. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross for us. Mocked, beaten, spit on and crucified so that we might become reborn children of God through his resurrection. And only in Christ will you find the deep peace of knowing you're justified by his blood forever in right standing with God. And only in union with him, reconciled and at one with him, will you find an invincible identity in Christ like Stephen and Peter. Spirit crafted to endure temptation, suffering, persecution, and death for Jesus. So when dark clouds gather, and fear takes hold, and you've misplaced your believer's new birth certificate, remember where to find it, right here in First Peter, and remind yourself who you really are in Jesus Christ and overcome spiritual amnesia under fire as a reborn child of God with a living hope. Holding fast to the concrete biblical reality of our irreversible election, rendering special gospel service to God. Traveling joyfully light as scattered strangers, anticipating our imperishable inheritance with Jesus and all that is His, carrying with you an unwaveringly loving identity in Christ according to the eternal for love of God the Father, purpose-built to persevere through trials and evangelize the loss with joyful assurance and calm confidence until the end, knowing exactly who you are in Christ. In glorious gospel detail, forever enthralled by His exceeding worth.